You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And welcome to Modern Musicology. This is Alan. I am here with my co-host, Rob. Hey! And our other buddy, Anthony, is out of the country. He is in the UK visiting family and friends, but we have an excellent stand-in. Uh, J.M. Tuffley, how's it going, dude? I'm good. I'm standing. It's fun. It's great. You're standing? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right, so this episode is a little bit late. We were intending to record last weekend to uh, cover the Grammys, and internet trouble on my end prevented that. So here we are, a week late, but that's okay. We've got a lot to say about the Grammys, about the awards, about the performances, about the in-memoriam, all kinds of stuff. So we are going to just get rolling. First of all, as an overall thing, what did you think of the broadcast itself? I I actually I thought it was good. I, I liked it, which is uh, which is an interesting statement for me. But I, I it was the first time that I actually sat down and watched most of it. So I managed to get through all of it without like tearing a knob off near the opera segment or something. So it was fine. <laughs> Nothing like that this time. I didn't hate it. I mean, the Grammys for me fall into the problem that a lot of award shows have. Is that sometimes they're just too long and too self-indulgent. This one, I think, really made it a point to be important but not take itself too seriously, which I liked. And, um, you know, the big thing for, for me at the Grammys is it's a chance for me to, like, listen to artists that I otherwise would pay absolutely no attention to at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this point in my life, it's the who the hell are these people Grammys for me. Um, so there is a certain bit of um, uncomfortableness for me watching the Grammys because I'm trying to play catch up with with the rest of the of the kids. But um, I thought they did a really nice job of pacing the show and keeping it interesting. I didn't think any of the performances ran too long, and I think that overall the the thing that the Grammys did that I liked is that the the way they gave out the or the the awards in terms of like here's the order of how we're giving these out it really does a good job of like building momentum. They thought about this, we'll give out this award and then this award and then this award. Um, and I think they thought about it in terms of segmentation. They probably realized that a lot of people are like me and they're like, I only want to go to the Grammys to see this part of it, right? So it's very segmented in a way that worked that it hadn't been before that I liked. Uh, what were some of the highlights for you? I really like Silk Sonic. Holy shit. That was like the best opening that they could possibly do this year. I, I loved Silk Sonic. Uh, I was really, I had not actually seen a lot of Olivia Rodrigo. I mean, lots of people have and probably have gotten sick of her, but I hadn't seen a whole lot of her. And because I, because she did live, she did a live sing. Uh, I was really impressed Yeah. by her actually singing. Cause a lot of the Disney kids you hear about when they come out, you're, you're afraid, Oh, they're going to do lip sync all the time. And she probably does, but she did live sing for the Grammys, which is in, pretty good. Uh, so I was impressed by uh, I was impressed by Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, really liked Billie Eilish. Yeah. Uh, really liked Nas. Um, mm -hmm. That was that was I, I wasn't aware that Nas was going to go 
But uh, I really like Nas. Uh, the Chris Stapleton thing was fucking amazing. Really? Because um, that was a straight up blues song. I really liked that. Uh, so I was really, I hadn't, I hadn't had a chance to see Chris Stapleton live. So I was really impressed by that. What was the other thing? Oh, Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, baby. Yeah. She was amazing. Yes. And I really liked that. Uh, the, her thing was great. Um, the only thing I really, I, the BTS thing didn't bug me as much as I thought it might. I thought their segment yeah. was really good. I was surprised with their like James Bond theme and everything. I thought that was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was. It was a good kind of Vegasy kind of yeah. thing, which I thought I, I thought of the things that reflected the Vegasy tone. I think uh, Soul Sonic probably did it better. The BTS uh, Pice thing was was great. Yeah, it wasn't as annoying as I thought the boy band thing would be. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought Silk Sonic were great. I haven't really been exposed to that record as much. Um, I kind of heard it when it came out and kind of forgot about it. And I think Brandy Carlisle is amazing. And I think that this was kind of her coming out party for a lot of people uh, that probably wouldn't have heard their records. Billy, Billy Eilish was great. I knew Billy Eilish would be great. But for me, the thing was, okay, am I going to be as floored by Billy Eilish now as I have been the last two times I've seen her on TV? And I was. Um, so I think that, you know, I was kind of not sure where I was with her when, when I heard the record, because the record didn't completely grow on me um, for a while, but her live is just, her live show is just intense. So, but I think for me, the biggest highlight was Brandy Carlisle, just because I think that um, she kind of had the littlest amount of name recognition going in amongst the average music person, and I think she left a big mark. And Tuffley's right about uh, that Rodrigo record. It's it's pretty great but her live you could tell that yeah. she's got a passion for her art that is uh very 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 uh very real it doesn't seem like it's just a formula or like a pre-packaged project yeah talking about billy i'm like i have this sort of like weird love-hate relationship with her where I've, I've i've tried so hard to get into both of her albums and i just don't like them and it's that whole like, hey, I'm singing in my bedroom and this is the way I sing. And it just sounds so morose and so boring and so like put on. But then you see her live and you see those same songs performed live and it's just amazing. And I feel like her personality doesn't come through on her records. It's like an image that's being projected, but not her actual self because she's silly and she's funny and she's, you know, very bubbly and, and she's just like a fucking rock chick. And then, but you listen to the records and you don't get that sense of it. And I just, there's that disconnect that just throws me off all the time. I want to I like her so much. Thing, <laughs> I think the low voice thing is a turnoff on record. Yeah. It's a bit of, it's a bit of a turnoff on record, but when she does it live and when she's actually, when it's not processed and she's actually singing it, yeah, because she can sing. Um, it's really good, and because yeah. uh, because you can tell, like on the Bond theme, uh, there was a single she put out prior to this record. Um, that was that was just I thought, oh, this is her singing, this is great. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then, like I said, the live performance on Happier Than Ever, where especially where where the band kicks in, where yeah. like Phineas and the band kicks in, was really 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 good. 
Yeah. Um, and live, she does have that energy live where it's kind of hard to pull that across on the record where she's kind of ping-ponging back between moods. So right. sometimes it doesn't come out on the record where it does in a live setting. So yeah, you're right. I sort of did like a little rating on each one of the performances and there were only two that I gave a 10 to one of them was silk Sonic and the other one was Billie Eilish. That silk Sonic okay. performance, man was phenomenal. Holy shit. That was great. Well, they got two songs. A lot of people got, I, the one thing I did notice is a couple of people did get like additional time um, because of the Foo Fighters not yeah. being there. Um, I feel like, I feel like, uh, Silk Sonic got two songs at the beginning because, uh, their song was the, the opening song was a bit of a medley. They opened mm -hmm. with something else, but then they got to the, the other song. Yeah. Um, her got three, her got two songs in a medley. Nas got a medley. So I think some of those performances got expanded out a little bit. I, yeah. I think Justin Bieber was also a medley. So no, B Bieber was one song. It was just like a okay. slow, slow piano intro. Oh, it, it felt incredibly the... like a medley and it was really long. So oh my God, that was, that was the worst <laughs> performance of the night. It was so terrible. I mean, it's a shitty it, song to start with, but, and it, you know, that somehow took 11 people to write and it was just awful. Well, I felt like the, okay, he's going to the piano thing after Brandy Carlisle started at the piano. I, somebody might've told him that that was already going to happen on the show. Um, but he he started he started at a piano like the the Brandy Carlisle performance and then walked over to the band like yeah. the Brandy Carlisle performance. Yeah. And that was not like the Brandy Carlisle performance. Well, the funny thing is that the the John Batiste performance was the same thing. He started at yeah. a piano, but Batiste is like this classically trained player who's just like ripping the piano up and down and then Bieber sits down and just kind of plunks his little simple chords and I was like oh this is really sad yeah I mean not that anybody is expected to play like John Batiste because he is just amazing but it just and that felt was, like such that a great contrast performance yeah that was another performance that really surprised me because I'm so used to I guess visually I'm not used to what he does and I guess this album was kind mm. of different in that respect as well because that's not normally what he does visually, but he kind of went a visual end with it. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a really, that I thought that was a really interesting one too. We were talking about Bieber and how terrible his performance is. The laughable thing about that was that the broadcast kept trying to censor his, the word weed in the song and they kept getting it wrong. You know, like they didn't do it at all in his little piano intro where you could clearly understand what he's saying. But then during the song where you know when the word weed is going to get said, they kept missing it. That's they kept the delay. Like, well, the I know, but it's, yeah. it was just funny. I think, it, I think it's two things. One, I think it's the delay and that they didn't anticipate the delay. And two, I think it's whoever was someone got told, hey, censor this. Um, this was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I also think it was kind of like, you know, hey, make sure we censor this. It's like, well, if we make the attempt, no one will complain. That's that's to me. It was just it was so half-assed that right. Um, you know, I well I, as as we've learned from the Oscars, though, there are two feeds. There are there is the American feed that has yeah, the delay, yeah, and the international feed that does not have the delay. Right. 
That's true. So much like this podcast. Also, I think also the Paramount <laughs> would the Paramount Plus feed also not have the stuff censored on it? No, it was censored. Okay. I was yeah. curious about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so um, was I. Because I heard about the censoring and then I so I watched for it when I watched it on Paramount Plus and it was still there, but it was just all like ham fisted. Because that's hilarious. to keep that's to keep the FCC complaints down. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh in the American feed. Um, they have the delay. They have all of that for FCC, po- possible FCC complaints during live events. Sure. Of course. So uh, one, another one of my highlights was Brandy Carlisle. And here, here's my Brandy Carlisle story. Like I've kind of known the name and I've, I've heard a song or two or a bit of a song, you know, along the way over the years. And in 2019, I went to see Hart and Hart was doing this big tour where they were going to be having like different female artists opening for them and uh the show that i saw in atlanta the opening act was l king and i was really excited about seeing her because i was like super big on her at the time that was the first album had done really well and the either the second album was just about to come out or had just come out but the first single from it was playing a lot and i was like so excited to see her brandy carlisle was kind of the middle act and i thought okay well you know that'll be interesting to see you know and i think she played like 45 minutes maybe an hour And she blew me away, blew me away. Like I did not expect to love her as much as I did. And her show was just spectacular. You know, it was uh, musically competent and she was funny and self-effacing and just had a charm about her that I didn't expect. And God, powerful, powerful vocals. And so I've been on the Brandy Carlisle train big time ever since I saw her and so I was like looking forward to her uh, song and she knocked it out of the park. I thought. Was she doing the Soundgarden song yet in her set? Do you remember? I don't think so. I don't think when I saw okay. her, she did. Okay. Cause no. she started throwing Soundgarden songs into her set. Yeah. Not too long after that. And that, those are really good. There's actually an EP of those out. Oh, nice. Um, a couple of them um, that she did for a uh, record day, record store day thing. Oh, uh, cool. The Rooster says, and she does like uh, two Soundgarden songs with the guys from Soundgarden. Oh, out nice. of the fact that she started throwing those into her set, and they caught that caught their attention. Wow. Well, so, you know, must have not been long after that, but yeah, yeah. Well, either that or opening for Heart, she didn't do a full set, so that's the thing. No. That got cut maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She's been touring pretty nonstop too. Yeah. Um, yeah. While people were touring. She's notorious for being on the road a lot. And she had, with the last record, a really long tour. It was a tour that I, I don't know if they were adding dates or not, but literally you kept reading about the tour. So she's had a lot of really good buzz about her, but I just think people yeah. don't know, don't really, didn't really know her. Right. And I think she went into the, went into the Grammys kind of like, this is my chance to really reach a cross-section of different people and i think she did a fantastic job with that i think part of the issue is like she's kind of i know the way they've some of the way they've been selling her is she's in kind of the americana area yeah um she kind of veers back and forth between americana and country and rock yeah and they don't really know where to put her exactly right yeah like they don't really know like she doesn't really get played on country radio she doesn't really get played on rock radio. Yeah. Unless, unless I think, I think the joke and uh, right on time are actually kind of top 40 singles. 
So mm-hmm. they got played on top 40, but they missed rock radio and they missed, um, right. they missed country radio. And then college radio doesn't do that sort of thing anymore. So nobody a lot of had to categorize her. So. She was really all over the Americana um, charts. Yeah. yeah. And I think it kind of broke out from there. Um, in the same way that Margot Price kind of broke out when she broke. Yeah. It sort of hit it hit the AAA or alternative charts and then kind of worked its way in because there's crossover potential. And she had one of those like um she's one of those interesting artists that's that's kind of lumped into Americana that you could easily play on a rock show, you know, mm-hmm. in a set with like an Amy Mann or you know, something like that and make it work, right? Right. Um, but I think she she does have a little bit of an issue with where do you put her. And the other thing is just when you think you've got it figured out, she's doing something completely different. Yeah. Which I love, but a lot of people that drives them nuts because that ruins their little slots of putting everybody in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Then she goes and does the high women. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is a total country record, which. Yep. Hello, country radio. You should have played that, but. <laughs> well, it's fair though, because country radio didn't play much of the highway men either. So it's kind of. No, you know, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, what did you think of Gaga with her Tony Bennett tribute, basically? I think it was as good of a Tony Bennett tribute without Tony Bennett that you could possibly do. Right. <laughs> and I thought it was very affectionate, you know, in terms yeah. of how it was done. I didn't think it was heavy handed. I think it was very, it was very emotional. I think it was very emotional for her. And I think it was also, um, you know, a celebration of these songs and the record, but it's the, yeah. okay, how do you, how do you play this live without Tony Bennett? How do you make this work? Right. Without coming off, inappropriate right and mm-hmm. i think that it really worked and i think that you know especially with the liza minnelli thing at the oscars too she's really come out of come out of her shell the last couple of years as being a musician that's across a lot of different genres yeah and has a has a very keen understanding of who she is as a contemporary pop star that understands uh contemporary music before her, whether it's Tony Bennett or Liza Minnelli or, you know, other artists, she really understands the legacy of what she's doing much more than other artists do. And how she's using that to be a blueprint for her career is really fascinating. Well, you know, she's, she's got her normal sort of standard electro pop kind of like Mm -hmm. stuff that she has kind of built a career on. She has done this big soundtrack epic kind of angle. She did, I I think it was uh, a Grammy or Oscar or two ago where she did a whole set fronting Metallica. I mean, she can basically do anything. And, Mm -hmm. and I, so I I love watching her perform. Yeah, it was very classy. Yeah. I thought it was very classy and um, very emotional because if you've seen that, because she did the the TV special with Tony, which yeah. was apparently going to be the last performance he does. Yeah. Or, or, or was that. Um, and she was very emotional. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm happy she was able to get through doing both parts of the songs. Um, yeah. Because there was a little moment where she kind of had a moment. Um, but it was great. Another one of the ones that I really enjoyed and it kind of caught me by surprise uh, was Brothers Osborne. Um, I, I I know the name, but I don't really know anything about them. 
Um, and I've got some friends who are really into him. So I thought, okay, well, this is a chance to really see him. And as a show closer, I thought they were so good. They, that, that song had so much energy and was really like this big boot stomping kind of country, you know, powerhouse kind of song. I just thought it was way too short, you know, like it was over before you were really like able to get into it. And I thought as a, you know, bring the curtain down kind of song, it was just too abrupt. But other than that, I thought their performance was fantastic. I, I think the uh, the position of uh, being the last band to play on the Grammys, where you have the fear of being played out by, uh, you know, a jet airline <laughs> commercial. Hello, yeah. right. Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, Arcade Fire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've been there. You don't want to be the thing that gets hit by a Delta ad. So uh, I could, com it is the shortest song. It is actually the shortest song on that record. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, you don't want to be the band at the end of the Grammys that gets hit by a Delta ad in the middle of your performance. So, right. You know, that makes sense. I, I, I understood it, but I was like, oh yeah, they're trying not to get cut off. Right. Yeah. I thought that they being completely unfamiliar with them, you know, I think that they did a job that they had to do. It's like, okay, we need to get the show over, but we also want to leave our mark on people for something else other than the band that, like Tuffley said, the band that got played out, right? And if you're an artist, it's great because you're the last thing anyone's going to remember about the Grammys, and it's a pretty, it's a nice slot, right? But at the same time, you got to really plan out your execution on it. You can't really experiment. You can't really freestyle. You have to really make it work. And I thought that they went into it with the right approach. Like, okay, bang, 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 done. Right. We're going to go yeah. in, we're going to do the song. We're going to get out. No Amtrak Delta, you know, soap commercial for us, you know, <laughs> we're in and out. Right. Um, there was a couple of things that I thought they did uh, that were sort of different this year that I really liked. One of them was having some of the performers introduced by, uh, you know, whoever from their uh, road crew to kind of like pay homage to the fact that these folks on the road crew have been out of work for the past two years and have, you know, sort of been supported by the music cares organization and all that stuff. And I thought that was a really cool touch. I also liked them being able to work in extra performances by having uh, the ones who would go out and in from commercial breaks, you know, where you see yeah. like half a song. I thought that was really cool. And it was a way to feature some of the artists that would not get included in the main show like some of these other like genres of music that might not be featured on the big telecast. But I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I and I think you can watch the full performances on uh, either Paramount plus or uh, YouTube. If you yeah. want to see the whole thing that in between the commercials. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I thought that was great. yeah, I, sorry. I think they did a really great job too of highlighting as you kind of alluded to the artists that we may not necessarily get to see or hear. And for me, that's like, I, I want the lesser known artists to sort of get an opportunity more than like, Oh, I've yeah. seen this guy like 50 million times. Right. Right. That's right. what I want. So I like having it around a play into a commercial, but at the same time, the fact that it's offered to see elsewhere is great because then I'll go back. Mm -hmm. And for me, that like ability to go back is just huge. Yeah, I watched it on Paramount Plus uh, the day after, since I didn't have internet on the day of, um, and that's so that I got to see most of those performances and really enjoyed them. 
Oh, the pre-show. Ugh. Oh, I didn't see it. Um, so in the pre-show, um, the uh, well, first thing about the pre-show you should know is that uh, all the rap awards were handed out in the pre-show mm-hmm. to avoid Kanye having any airtime <laughs> because they were afraid that Kanye was going to show up. He didn't. Um, but uh, all of the all of the the rap, all, I think everything except one which was the category he was not nominated in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did all they could to keep anything <laughs> except for the major awards that they had to have on the broadcast yeah. that Kanye was part of off uh, in the pre-show. The other thing they did, the other thing they did, uh, so Kanye won two in the pre-show. Uh, and then uh, Best Comedy Album went to Louis C.K. Oh, right, right. And that was a bit okay. But um, I did notice in the country categories that Morgan Whalen was not in, uh, was not nominated. So uh, they didn't do that. Although the country awards were also given in the pre-show, which was a bit weird, but uh, that was probably in an, in an attempt to keep everyone with questionability in airtime off mm-hmm. the air. Mm-hmm. Well, they did one on the show, didn't they? Cause Chris Stapleton won one of them. Wasn't one of his wins on the show. Uh, yes, he. I believe. Oh. It, I believe they saved best country performance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think but it was it's... best country performance. So they did give one on. They did give one during the show. Yeah. Um. But uh, kind of album collaboration song something yeah. like that. All of yeah. those were given out in the pre-show. Yeah, they they really did an interesting thing with the pre-shows. Outside of shoving, you know, problem kids to the back of the line. <laughs> They did an interesting thing where, like, okay, the Grammys are going to be about basically pop music, soul music, and the stuff that's on the fringes. Which, if you're a true music nut like we are, we're like where we eat everything up. You're that's kind of lacking. But the average person who goes to watch the Grammys, one, it's not too long, and two, you get a pretty good survey of contemporary pop music by watching that. Um, I'm glad they had Stapleton on just because anytime you get to see him. Is really interesting. Yeah. He's much more, um, much more than a country artist um, in many ways, and um, I, I wish there was more, you know, hip hop and, and a little more country in the award ceremony. But I get it, right? Um, and also, you know, there is an AMA award. I mean, there is a country music award. So you know, a lot of it is kind of like, well, they have their own show, but why do we want to give them this? So there's a certain amount. I of that. think the nearby show that CBS has coming up is the CMT Awards. Yeah. Yes. Which yes. I, I recall the ads for. So that might have been. Well, maybe we don't want to give country too much because mm-hmm. technically we're promoting. Although, from a network television standpoint, you got an award show coming up. You should probably get the categories in, but. But also the ad sometimes, buy. Sometimes the television network actually doesn't run the award show. Well, and um, also too, the ad buy is probably influenced to a certain extent by what labels yeah. and artists and countries are going to buy that, right? And more people that make the pop records are going to buy airtime or ads for their, you know, sub businesses and, and such things. Well, another and thing, the performances is, which is what they care about. Yeah. Another so. thing that happened in the pre-show was every single one of the rock categories. Like without the Foo Fighters yeah. playing, there was no rock in the show at all. So, um, you know, that bugs me on one it level. Bugs me a on lot. Other, but on the other level, I, I love all the other stuff. You know, I love the Billie Eilish's and the Silk Sonics and all that stuff. So I enjoy what I saw. Um, 
I just happened this past week when I was driving somewhere, I just happened to catch um, Eddie Trunk's show when he does his annual rant about how terrible the Grammys are and how they have no clue and how they left rock people out of the in memoriam and about how it's just a sham and it's, you know, and it's just disrespectful and they have no idea what's going on in the rock world. And he gets so angry that it's just comical. <laughs> it just cracks me He's up to like listen to him. He's like the comic book guy for metal. <laughs> yes, exactly yes. right. I mean, that's kind of what he is. And I don't want to put it in in, in that, but it, it, that's what he is. Right. Um, and I can kind of see his point, but sure. it's not, it's not, I mean, if the Foo Fighters had, had, Taylor hadn't passed, the Foo Fighters would have been on the show. Exactly. Um, I mean, Ghost is never going to be on the Grammys. You're not, nope. unless, unless he does like another pop song, you're never going to get Ghost on the Grammys. And that's right. kind of, for Eddie Trunk, that's kind of what he wants. Yeah. Um, what you have to do is, I mean, there's going to have to be another mainstream rock act besides that, that now there's going to have to be other than the Foo Fighters, because right. I don't even know if, I don't even know if that's a going concern. We don't know mm -hmm. yet. Um, right. And I don't know if Muse is big enough for that stage or if Muse is still going to be a rock band when they get there. Yeah. And if you've been hearing the singles from the new album, maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> But they would be theoretically the next ones in line to get that. But who knows? But there's going to have to be like a there would have to be another breakthrough mainstream rock band. And yeah. I would put a asterisk by that that isn't Imagine Dragons because we don't know what they are. So yeah, that, I mean that's yeah. true. That's a fair point. But I just love to hear him. Yeah, he does this two times a year: one for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and one for the Grammys. And it's the same rant every year. Yeah, and it just cracks me up. And He's like, okay, fine. You can't find, th you know, nine seconds to add the, this guy from Cinderella who died and uh, this other person from um, whatever the other band is that died. And, but you, oh, but let's devote all this time to give more awards to Olivia Rodrigo and Billie Eilish. And I was like, you are just ridiculous. You know, why you are ridiculous. That's what people are there for. Exactly. And those are the main awards. Those are. Those are the top awards. Those are what people are there for. Right. I mean, I mean the I'm sure someone, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are there for like, oh, let's see if the Cinderella guy gets mentioned, but not, not the general viewing audience. I mean, that's right. Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, in the same way, you know, I'd love to see a memorial section on Andy Gill from Gang of Four, but I'm not expecting it, you know? And honestly, yeah. the people that do the in memoriam section. It was last year's though. Well, I was just using that as an example. I couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like um they have the most thankless job. Oh sure. Because nobody you can't yeah. you can't cover everybody. And you don't know how important everybody is to everybody. Right. Or anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I always take the in memorial sections kind of with a grain of salt. Of course. Um, you know, I don't know whether you, you know, do you get an alternative whether you get like a car seat headrest or a pixies or some kind of mainstream alternative band to play when they get nominated. You got to find, I mean, they could have easily gotten a Japanese breakfast set in. That's true. Um, which is not the Foo Fighters, but it's kind of a rock act, right? What um, they've done in previous years was they, instead of, um, I think it was, they let all the best new artists nominees get yes. a performance in. Yes. Um, they have kind of moved away from that. Um, as they've tried to be a more diverse show, but since best new artists has gotten more diverse, that might be, Exactly. A suggestion to go back to to have all of the new 
at least all of the best new artists acts perform on the telecast. Right. Um, and, but then you used to have the, you know, everybody who was nominated for best album performed mm-hmm. during the telecast, which I believe is still how that worked this mm-hmm. year. Um, so, you know, there, there, there isn't room for everybody involved in the big categories to get everybody to get a performance. Um, but right. I would like to see more representation of best new artist because then mm-hmm. maybe you get a mainstream rock act and then maybe yeah. you get like a fringe act and then maybe you get like a yeah. British rapper or something. And then, you know, you kind of open the gate a little bit to, Oh, who's this? Or you that's get a, really the effect you want. Yeah. Or you get a St. Vincent or right. David yeah. Byrne or, you know, something. Right. All right. So um, at this point, we are done with side A of our little broadcast. So we're going to take a break to promote one of our fellow uh, network podcasts. Uh, We're going to flip our record over and we'll see on the flip side in 30 seconds. Hey, Dad, what's the Soul Forge podcast? The Soul Forge podcast is all about life, the universe and everything. Is it good for kids? Oh, no, it's not good for kids. Is it geeky? Oh, it can be geeky, but it can also be serious. We talk about life, sex, dating, and mental health, and so much more. Where can you find a Soul Forge podcast? You can find it everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and the ESO Network. All right, we are back. So um, let's talk really quickly about the uh, some of the awards that happened. Um, we talked about some of the ones that were left out of the out of the broadcast um best new artist we were just talking about went to olivia rodrigo um it's the thing that about that category to me is that it's gotten it's it's been treated differently over the years this year phineas is nominated as best new artist he had an album out this past year um but the thing is he this is not his first time out you know, you don't think of him as a new artist because he's so in the news with producing Billy and all these other things. But he put out an EP in 2019 and with three singles that were released from it. How does he get qualified as a best new artist this year? I think they have expanded that to be the breakthrough. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. The breakthrough be... recording. Yeah, I can be one better than that. Because Glass Animals has been going since 2009. Yeah, that's true. And they that's were true. nominated for Best New Artist this year. That's so. True. Yeah, I remember. Uh, God, what was it? Eight. This thing is way back, like 85 or 86 or whatever it was, when Whitney Houston's first album came out, and there was this enormous uproar over her not being included in the Best New Artist nominations. And uh, the prior year before her album came out she had done a guest vocal on a Jermaine Jackson single, which was a big hit. And the Grammys were like, sorry, you did that one thing a year ago. So you can't be considered a best new artist. So that category has definitely evolved. Its definition has changed a lot over the years. I almost want to break through recording now. Yeah. They should call it breakthrough recording. Yeah. And then the other thing they should do is have, you know, they used to have best new artists was kind of like an alternative category. Um, it would be nice if they did like a best new artist pop and a best new tr- artist like rock kind of thing, because there's a lot of records that kind of get missed because of this, right? Yeah. Um, it would be nice. I I get you can't put too many 
um, artists in here, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's, and I'm not sure I like the weird jerk that it is of when you see all these artists in one, one place, your brain's like, wait, whoa, wait, what, you know, um, but that's, that's me. I kind of want to be more segmentized, right? I, I'm glad it's more diverse and I'm glad that they're doing more, um, you know, trying to recognize different artists. But I think that having the categories have some flow, you know, it's kind of like, here's the winner for best fiction. And you put like, you know, David McCullough and like, you know, Lovecraft in it, right? Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of like really jarring when you look at that list of candidates. It's our it's kind of like, wait a minute, what? And you're still processing it by the time they get the winner. <laughs> but this was a tough one too, because they delayed the the actual award. So you're doing more than a year's worth of stuff. And you, you know, some of the categories were uh, expanded to 10 nominations and it, yeah. you know, it got a little insane. So next year, when it happens at its normal time, we'll have less than a year. I'm guessing, I don't think they'll keep it in March or April you know, when they do it again next year, I don't know. I think the 10, the 10 nominations for best album and song of the year and record of the year. Mm -hmm. I think that's a thing they've been doing the last couple of years. So oh, is that it? wasn't, yeah. Okay. That wasn't this year. Now the other, now I'm not sure about this year, but I think the one party trick that did happen this year was that they removed the male and female categories. Yes, they mm -hmm. did. Yeah. Uh, to have one category. So they actually, and this is kind of the Grammys have also been kind of trying to reduce the number of actual awards uh, so that they don't have voter category fatigue, but also so that the pre-show isn't eight hours. Right. Um, um, because they had already, you know, the, the most of the Latin awards are kicked off into their own award oh, show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so you have that and, uh, but yeah, I think the big deal was that they had removed the male and female, the separate male and female cat yeah. performer categories. Right. Which is fine. So that I kind of, I don't mind that being axed. I kind of like it, but yeah. at the same time, um, I, I, I wanted to think about who they put in the categories in terms of just like your brain is like going to explode. Cause <laughs> right. You know, but that's just me trying to process Go connecting A to B to C. So I'm I'm just the grumpy old man in the room. <laughs> I think you know, I think for the for having the the, the expanding the nominees for uh the big four. Uh expanding the nominees for the big four, I think, is a little different than what the Oscars do with just best picture. Because best picture feels like the desperate attempt to get people a film somebody's seen. Uh, whereas I think this feels like they're trying to expand the reach of who's best in a way that, because, you know, we're not the only ones complaining about this sort of thing, but um, <laughs> maybe they've noticed. Um, but uh, just to expand kind of the reach of, you know, who's best. Right. So hmm. they, that, that seems like they're trying, but I don't know. Um, best new album or best album of the year. We Are by John Baptiste. That took me by surprise. He was pretty much my pick for it, but I did not think he would win. I was certain it would go to Olivia or Billy. I did not think he would take it. And, and I was so glad that he did because I thought that was a brilliant album. I thought they might sneak in and give it to Taylor, but 
because she had the two records. Right. And one of the only one of them was oh. there representing both of them. Yeah. So I kind of thought they'd give it to Taylor. I thought Silk Sonic had a chance because they especially yeah. in the in the evening as they were starting to sweep. Right. When you can see the sweep happening, you're going, right. Oh, okay, <laughs> this is what it's gonna be. Yeah. Um, so I kind of thought Silk Sonic might get it, but I'm I'm happy that uh, Baptiste got it. Yeah. Because uh, he actually won earlier in the evening for jazz. Yes. Uh, and for his work on the soul soundtrack with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Right. In the pre-show. So he won a lot uh, last week. Yep. And I think it speaks a lot to, to that thing that we all hate to see because why somebody wins. But a lot of it is likability. Um, a lot of the other artists had a ton of exposure and despite having a regular gig on TV every, every, every night, he's still really unknown to a lot of people. Um, That's kind of surprised me. That's and true. you know, it's really hard for you to watch him speak or just talk or play music and not just be like, this guy's all right. Right. So yeah. I almost think some of that was like, this guy's cool. We're going to give it to him. Sort of. It's the anti can't it's the anti Kanye actually, you know, um, you know, this guy is like as far removed from having any issues as, as anyone can have. He makes great music across a lot of different platforms and, you know, he plays the game. So I think some of it is that it, it, it also is a good record, too. Um, yeah. And it's it's not a record that I normally would have sought out to listen to. But when I did, it's like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. So I think that is also a big statement on it. Yeah. I mean, there were other ones, too. I thought um, Doja Cat's album is really good. I, I really enjoyed it a lot, but I just don't think anything and Billy's, you know, that one is an obvious one, but I just don't think any of them really stacked up to Baptiste. Yeah. yeah. It's a great, great, great record. Talking about Silk Sonic record of the year, song of the year, R and B song, R and B performance. I mean, they just cleaned up that night and they were so funny. You know, they would win and the crowd would go nuts and the band would play and they would just get up and do their slow groove kind of dance. You know, they were so funny. I love that they kept sort of in character. I exactly. The whole time. But exactly. that is what the Grammys needed was like, right. I hate to say the Grammys needed a gimmick. And some of it is the bounce of off coming off the Oscars where everything was so angst ridden. Right. That I think. People one wanted to, wanted to chill, but people also two just wanted something that was kind of light and fun. And I think just having a running gag like that was really great. And yeah. um, I just thought that you know the whole the whole shtick didn't get tired. I mean, I, I don't mean to use the word shtick, but like it's just the whole thing didn't get tired. You know, it, right? It, it still was entertaining by like the eighty third time they won. <laughs> I, the other running theme of the evening was apparently everybody had to pee oh, right. um, because because Anderson Pack mentioned it and then I uh, was it was it Doja Cat Doja Cat mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, I don't need to know when you had to go off to pee. I just you know, <laughs> some of the people in their dresses, you have to wonder like, did they have the pit crew that like get some of that stuff off so that they could and then come back? I don't know. I don't know the, the the nature of how that works, but you know, it's the Christine but, uh, Baranski thing all over again. Yes, <laughs> yes. But you know, I think the thing that worked, and the thing that I, I've thought about, the thing that really I, I enjoyed because it seemed a lot more intimate, because it was a smaller building. Yeah, yeah. 
Because the MGM arena in Las Vegas, the MGM Grand Arena, I think was that's where they did it. But the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas is actually a much, 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 much smaller place than Staples Center Crypto.com Arena, whatever the hell we're calling it now. <laughs> um, which is probably part of the reason they didn't do it there. Right. Um, what do we call it? Um, but I think the last couple of years where you where you do it inside this cavernous, large kind of place, it sort of takes away kind of the intimate mm -hmm. feel of maybe some of the performances. And I know they've been wanting to get like, oh, this is a concert with awards yes. uh, kind of feel to it. But I think this actually succeeded in a way that this, and I think last year, which again, these are the lowest rated Grammys. So, eh. but I think these have kind of succeeded in what they want to do when they have the larger arena. Mm -hmm. Um, and it felt like they did it that way, especially with not just the performances in the house, but the performances on the rooftop. Yes. Um, they had performances in the pre-show. They had, you know, there were performances, performances, performances. They were trying to slam them all in. Um, and I think the smaller setting actually helps with that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I agree. It, yeah, I think it's, it's perfect. I also think, too, that it doesn't seem, it helps that the whole ceremony does not seem overwhelming. Um, and more intimate. I, I love the more intimate shows. I think you just get more of a um, a chill vibe, too. Yeah, there's more personality to it. That's what I'm looking for, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to articulate that. Thank you. So, um, the tables thing was interesting, too. Like the, And I know that was a COVID. I know that was a, a COVID thing. But they should keep that. They should keep the tables on the floor thing. Yeah. Because that felt a little more... That's the thing I like about the Golden Globes, where it feels a little more personable. Yes. And not as self-serious as the Oscars is. Um, so, you know, obviously less racist than the, uh, allegedly, than the uh, the Globes. But, you know, that. But <laughs> um, On the rock categories, the Foo Fighters took pretty much all of the awards. Um, mm -hmm. And, and their, their new album is a really good album. Um, you know, and all the voting was done and turned in before Taylor passed away. So it had nothing to do with that. Um, the only one that they didn't take because they weren't nominated for it was the best metal performance, which went to the alien by dream theater, um, which is sort of like the, it's the opening track from their most recent album. And it's like a nine minute, like progressive metal, like <laughs> epic. And I know that our, our absent friend, Anthony has a sort of a love hate with, uh, dream theater because he feels like every song of theirs is an attempt to show exactly how great uh, musicians they are. And every second is packed with so much stuff. Um, but looking at the category, I don't know who else I would have picked. Yeah. There was some other good stuff in it, but I don't think I would have picked anybody but them for it. So and it's also, it also very much could be a career award too. Possibly in a week year. Yeah. Well, any anytime you have a dream theater or a tool in a category, yeah, where it's you know, you know what you're getting. You're getting ten minutes of <laughs> solos, <laughs> right? And I'm trying to be fair to that. Um, but you know, that's that's a level of musicianship you're not getting in like a thrash metal song. <laughs> you're just not, um, unless Metallica is also nominated in that category, and then it's just yeah. the, the Doodle Off Award, but. <laughs> But, you know, um, it, it's interesting because, you know, as far as metal goes, you're going to have Ghost has got an album coming. 
uh, which he 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 always always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Um, so we'll see. Um, and then you've got a couple of other. You've got a couple of really. Mastodon has a record that's floating around that's really good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that category becomes next year. So because it always changes from from like I think Tool won it the year before last. Uh, I think Tool won it. Dream Theaters won it. So the prog bands have kind of had their run. So uh, <laughs> maybe maybe we get um, other other yeah. other folks into the mix. I was pleased to see Los Lobos won something. Yeah, um, that was great. Oh, I didn't see that. That was great. Yeah, um, that was great. But yeah, that was. I, I was like, oh, they won something. Awesome. I I forgot they had a record out. That I'll record's that amazing. Now. That record is yeah. really great. Okay. But uh, it was nice to see. It was nice to see they won. They won something in the pre-show. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the medal the the medal does uh, next year because it's going to be a completely different category. Right, right. So, okay, we talked about this year and last year being the lowest rated Grammy broadcasts. Yeah. How relevant is the Grammy at this point? How how relevant to the general public is it at this point? Does it still mean anything? I think part of the reason, um, well, first of all, you moved it out of where it's usually. Yeah. Um, had it happened post Super Bowl, post January, in its traditional end of January slot, I think it probably might have done better. Although yeah, we have possibly. last year's viewing figures to, to fit, factor in there. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think when you move awards out of their traditional award shows or live events out of their traditional spots, that does something because people are used to the regularity of a thing being where it's scheduled to be. Yeah. Um, weirdly because, or, or does people, it give an opportunity for a different audience to, to see it? Like maybe they wouldn't like be aware tides. of it. As, <laughs> um, that's the other thing too, because now then you're dealing with, okay, how old is all of this music? Right. Right. Uh, Cause that's what we were talking about. Like how old is all of this? Like, you know, Taylor Swift, the two Taylor Swift records that came out during the pandemic, two of two of the four um, were, were eligible for to be nominated. Um, right. And those were represented here. And, you know, the Doja Cat record has been how long has the Doja Cat record actually been out? Um, <laughs> so some of these records, some of these yeah. records be, have gestated for a very long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Foo Fighters record just for example, the Foo Fighters record had a two year rollout. <laughs> like before it was actually released, there was like, they did a Saturday, they did the SNL and then the record didn't come out because of the pandemic. And then a year happened and then the record came out. Um, so some of these records have been a little older. Right. Um, so some of these records are not in people's heads as much as, you know, obviously the Olivia right. Rodrigo record and the Silk Sonic record are, um, because, you know, they've been fresh in the cycles, but a lot of the other things in the cycles um, are, are older. So that has yeah. something to do with it. That's true. Um, we saw a little bit of I that mean, on the Gram on the Oscars, too, when uh, Billie yeah. Eilish's song was released over a year before the thing because the movie got pushed back a year. It, it debuted on the Oscars. The, right. The, she actually performed it for the first time on the Oscar cast two years ago. It's so crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the trick. That's the secret. If you want to win, you got to perform the song 
before the movie comes out at the Oscars before, and then you win it. <laughs> That's what you do. And, and to be fair, Silk Sonic performed Leave the Door Open on last year's Grammys. Oh. <laughs> I, did, I didn't they remember that. They the door open on last year's Grammys, yeah. and they won Song of the Year at this year's Grammys. That's there you the go. Track. There That's you go. You I think you know. I think too. The Grammys still matter to people that are passionate about music and people in the industry. Um, and I think people that are longtime music people still like it. I think the fact that it's streaming and you can watch it later, and the performances are on later. Uh, for people to watch, yeah. allows people to just say, I don't really care about the awards. I can read an article in Variety later, right. but I want to see the stuff. So I think the dynamics of how people process sure. is, is a huge part of it. I also think that a week after the Oscars is a really crappy time because people are just award right. showed to death. Um, and I That's think what the it, Grammys are usually first. And putting the Grammys like around the Super Bowl is nice because it's kind of a nice sort of let down, you know, like you've had the Super Bowl, it's kind of like the next big event thing after the Super Bowl, right? Um, and I, I think a lot of it is timing. I think a lot of it is, you know, adjusting to the pandemic. But I think that, you know, the big mark that they missed is that in a at a time when everyone's coming out of the pandemic and the one big thing outside of uh, uh, movies that people did to keep themselves sane is people listen to music, yeah. right? And the stories of, I think, you know, somehow incorporate the stories of how music got people through the pandemic or how these artists, you know, what they did during the pandemic. I mean, I know they recognize the roadies and stuff, but there's a right. huge element from a storytelling point of view mm. to really connect with an audience. Like, hey, this artist delivered food or whatever, or, you know, mm -hmm. this artist, did, there's a lot of stories there you can tell about like how yeah. people listen to music, how they made music during the pandemic and how, at any time since the civil rights movement, music was sort of like the thing that got people through every day, mm. right? And they missed that. And that's I think a, that's that's a really sad thing. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. There's somebody should make a documentary just about that. I don't know that it's too late now, but I think there's also kind of a similarity with the Oscars, in a sense, where there's not, even though there are a lot of hit records, especially when you have the 10 in, yeah. in the in, in the main four even though there are a lot of hit records in that um, there isn't the gigantic, huge thundering record that everybody goes, Oh yeah, that's, that's the one we're looking for. Um, mm. Adele is in the hunt. I'm just saying Adele right. is next year. Adele will be eligible next year. So we'll see if this, <laughs> we'll see if things perk up. Um, even though we all are kind of eh, on Adele, but the world isn't. Um, so yeah. we'll, we'll see when uh when when some of the bigger names uh mm -hmm. the big name currently uh get back into the award cycle for uh like the adele record and some of the other biggies that we've had mm -hmm. over the last couple of months as and all others that are coming out as we get back to normal question mark so it, it'll be interesting it, it, i think part of that is also interest there's not a big groundswell yeah for seeing oh that's the guy i want to see so so here here's another horribly controversial idea on this has the grammys in their efforts to become more diverse lost its core that's what i'm kind of wondering i mean i don't know that they have because i remember when i was growing up um i, I would watch the grammys every year i was yeah, I so too. excited for it and i looked forward to it 
Um, and I think musically it was more diverse then because they did include the, you know, some opera performance and they did in, include a bluegrass <laughs> performance. And so it was much more, it was less cohesive, I think. And it was, you know, and so I remember, you know, being a kid and I'd be like, oh my God, I got a, like in the 45 minutes of, of a classical piece and, you know, which now I have an appreciation for, but I did not when I was, you know, 17 or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. That's a very good question. And I don't think that's I think, a bad thing. I just think I just, audience fragmentation. That's I a thing. Yeah. But see, here's the thing. When I, when I'm, else, and everybody can be because right. the world is, everybody has access to the same tools and the same everything. Right. Exactly. When and I was growing up, I would watch the Oscars. I mean, the, the, the Grammys, because I wanted to see these people that I was really into perform. Now you don't have to wait for that. You have SNL performances and you have YouTube and you have access to every single thing that every person does. So how does the Grammy make itself important, you know, in that sort of environment where every performance can be seen by every person at any time? And how do you get people to want to see them? Right, right. Because what was it? The Grammys in the round that was last year. I'm Oof. like, oh, they're setting this up for later. They're going to do. I, I would like to just the the the, the Jules Holland Grammys. Let's just have that. <laughs> right. There you go. Let's just just give it to Jules. Let him do it. Let him swear. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So that wraps it up for us for Grammys this year. We'll see what happens next year. We'll be back then, and we'll be back again next Sunday or next week with a brand new show. Uh, until then, Tuffley, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, you can find me on Twitter at Tuffley. It's highly creative, but it's at Tuffley. Um, you can also find me with uh, the other guy down there. Well, well, you can't see it, but I'm pointing. Um, with uh, with Mr. Levy on uh, occasionally on uh, the uh, Need Coffee Weekend Justice podcast. Yeah, well, we are the Statler and Waldorf of yes. grumpy, of grumpy yes. music critics. Getting closer every moment. Rob? Uh, you can find me um, with that guy up there. Uh, hold on, over there. Well, Let's everybody. all just point. We're going to everybody point. point and yeah. No one knows. Okay. Yeah. Um, for those of you on the international feed, it is above right. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tuffley, um, I am with him on NeedCoffee.com. Uh, we are on the Weekend Justice podcast. We both do Spotify playlists as well that you can that you can catch and look for. And then I also am on. Um, KDHX each week uh, with a meat-fisted attempt at radio uh, called Juxtaposition, and that is uh, archived. Every, every show is archived for two weeks at KDHX.org. All right. I've got another podcast on this very same network called Earth Station Trek. It is all about Star Trek, as the name implies. So I encourage you to go check that out. And we will be back in a week with another program. Look for us then on Spotify or any other platform where you get your fine podcast from. And until then, we will say goodbye. Take care, everybody. And we will see you around the morning. <laughs> see you around what? <laughs> see you around the horn. All right. Take care, y'all. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, 
your station for all things geek.